Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Genesis chapter 3. It'll be up on the board as well, Genesis chapter 3. We get some lights on over here, up in here. That is great. Perfect. Um, Genesis chapter 3. Um, welcome. My name is Ryan. Youth in college, right? Welcome. Uh, we are in a series right now called Creation, Fall, Redemption. Okay? Creation, Fall, Redemption is the story of the Bible. Okay? But the Bible is not just a story. I think sometimes we think that a story means... Um, a tale or um, a reminder of something that doesn't really have any impact on you now. It's something from the past. It's a story that you hear, but it doesn't really connect to your life. And the Bible is not like that, okay? Are we recording, David? Are we all good? You're the man. Um, so gen- the point of Genesis is not just to tell a story, okay? The point is to explain to us, this story helps explain to us where we come from, and how we got where we are, okay? And let me explain what I mean, okay? We're in a series called Creation, Fall, Redemption. This is a three-week series where we look at one of these words each week, okay? Because that is the story of the entire Bible. Last week, we looked at creation, okay? We looked at how the Bible clearly teaches us that God made us. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to check it out on our PVN Students podcast, okay? Be sure you check out all the sermons so you can stay up to date with where we're going. Um, We talked last week, so a little review, then we'll get into some new stuff. We talked last week about how, again, creation, which by definition means we did not evolve. We are not the spontaneous result of chance through evolution. We are not a result of the Big Bang, as Gus so clearly showed us a few minutes ago, right? In fact, we looked at how, okay, we looked at how if you believe in evolution or the Big Bang, it is then impossible for you to account for how all of mankind is equal and for how all of mankind is personal and we need relationships. So Genesis shows us, remember, it's not just a story, but that it shows us how that story impacts where we are now. Does that make sense? It's not just something in the past that you learn about and kind of doze off. Hopefully there's some jokes woven in and then you're done, right? Genesis is a reminder of where we come from and how we got where we are. We're equal, talked about this last week, we're equal because we're made in the image of God. We are personal because we're made in the image of God. God is three persons, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's called the what? The Trinity, right? We need relationships, Okay, because we're made in the image of a God who is the perfect relationship. That's why we need it. You cannot account for this. You cannot account for why we need relationships. You cannot account for why everyone is intrinsically equal if you believe in the impersonal random evolution of mankind or the impersonal Big Bang. An impersonal beginning does not then make personal people. Does that make sense? It doesn't make equal people. You can't say that we're equal in rights if we didn't have the same source. And we talked about all this last week. So you see how creation thousands of years ago impacts who we are today, impacts our very lives today. And I said this last week. I don't, again, I don't know that it really needs to be said, but I just want to be sure all the bases are covered. If I say something that at any point maybe you don't agree with or you have a question about, 
Let's wait till the end, and then afterwards you can come up and talk to me about it. Okay, cool? Or your mom can email me. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, it's going to be fine. So here we go. Tonight, last week we talked about creation. This week we're talking about the fall. Um, notice this. The first thing that God addresses in the entire Bible is creation, right? The first thing God addresses in the entire Bible is creation. The very next thing he addresses is our sin. So right after creation, the very next thing he addresses is our sin. God is trying to show us how we got here. He's trying to show us why the world is the way that it is. The first part of that is creation. The second factor in why the world is the way it is is what's called sin. Last week we were in Genesis 1. This week we're in Genesis chapter 3. So look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We'll knock through a few verses here and there, and we'll talk about it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, that's the serpent, and he said to the woman, that's Eve, Indeed has God said, or did God really say, Indeed has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. So the first thing we learn about sin is this. Sin, what is sin? What does that mean? Is it King James only? Is it Shakespeare? What's going on? Is it the same thing as evil? What does that mean? Here's what it is. A couple of things about sin. Okay, It's a big church word. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is bucking up against, pushing back against what God asks for or what God wants. That's what sin is. That's what evil is. And this is why this is important. Remember, where we come from affects who we are, how we live. Okay? Isn't it interesting that even the serpent who defies God is just another one of God's creations. Look at the verse again. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. It does not say, now there were dark clouds from out of nowhere and the evil serpent came and God and the serpent fought each other. That's not what happens. That's not the root of this. There are not two competing ideas. God is what is called sovereign. Okay, so say it back to me. God is what? Sovereign is a word we use with our college kids. It means God can do what he wants, when he wants, because he wants. He is in total control the entire time. The serpent, this this creature did not come from another eternal place with ideas that rivaled God. Okay, It's not... um, Good and evil in the Bible is not game seven, right? Winner take all. Anybody can. It's not Star Wars. It's not, it's not like that. It's not like that. In the Bible, God is in total control the entire time, and it starts in Genesis 1. This evil that has come up is a creature that God has created. He is in total control, which means evil is not something that has eternally existed. We like to think that good has always been around and evil's always been around and they're fighting each other, and that's not the case. Remember, what does Genesis 1-1 say? In the beginning there was who? In the beginning there was? God. There was no cosmic struggle at the beginning. Cosmic, Katie, meaning space, right? There was no cosmic struggle at the beginning that created the world. There was only God, and He is only good. 
And evil did not exist until someone tried to rebel against him. Sin is rebellion against God. Evil is when a heart wants to rebel against God. God is the standard of good. And when we push back against God, that is evil. That is sin. Look at verse 1 again. Now, the serpent, right? So give me like, you know, whatever. Give me the, what's a better word for serpent? It's a what? It's a snake, right? Yeah, it's a viper. It's a snake. All right, so watch. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, okay, let's stop right there. So the serpent begins talking to Eve. So let's let's back up for a second here, okay? Because we just kind of like, oh, yeah, of course. Sometimes people will ask, how is a talking snake not a huge red flag for Eve from the get-go, right? This is actually a really good question. Um, We have no indication in the Bible, okay? We have no indication in the Bible that animals could talk before the fall, before sin, okay? None. This was probably abnormal, okay? And we know... Okay, from Romans 16, we know from Revelation, and you know, just if you grew up in church, which is good, the snake is actually who? The snake is? Is Satan. All right, so here we go. So, and again, my questions are not like, you ant, it's rhetorical, it's to help build the point. Okay, so here we go. So why, and I appreciate where your head's at, but just hang on. So why, this is Satan. Satan's doing the tempting here, and he comes in the form of a serpent, or he uses a serpent to do his bidding. We're not sure, right? But why on earth would Satan take the form of a serpent? Why would Satan take the form of an animal to do that? He's Satan. Why wouldn't he just come as himself? Why would he come choose to be an animal? Because he hates God. Now let me show you what I mean. Because he hates God. So sin is rebellion against God. And let me show you this. Sin is also the destroying of God's good order. So sin is rebellion. Rebellion against what? Rebellion against the order that God has laid out for your life. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Okay? And it should be on the board and we'll read it. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26, and this is important because it tells us something about how we were created, and then it tells us what Satan is doing with it. So, Genesis 1, 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the, let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing That creeps on the earth. Two things that you need to take from this verse. You may want to circle when it says, let us make. And here's why. Mankind, you and me, right? Mankind is unique because we are made in the image of God. Everything else in creation is made by God speaking it into being. Did you notice this? And God said, let there be light. Let there be an expanse. Let the waters. And God said, and God said, and God said. Almost like remote control. Does that make sense? And God said, and it came to be. It always starts with, and God said. But with mankind, what does God say? Let us make. Only mankind is made by God's direct personal activity. 
only mankind. God made the ground with his words, right? But to make man, God puts his hands in the ground and molds us. You see the difference there? There is a heightened activity. There is a heightened activity when God makes man. And he doesn't do that for anything else. Mankind is not just another animal. This is what atheists might tell you. This is, what, this is where evolution comes in again. Mankind is not, we are not just another animal. We are not just a smarter animal. We are on a whole different plane. God designed us in a totally different way. Did he make man and animal? Yes, he did. But only mankind gets this particular blessing of being made in his image. Only with mankind does God say, let us make. He doesn't say that for the ocean. He doesn't say that for the mountains. He doesn't say that for the sun and the moon. Only for mankind. And God's good design is that Adam and Eve, in his image, rule over all the animals. Look at 126 again, right? 126. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. What's the next thing he says? As soon as he says, this is how we'll make them, here's the first thing they'll do. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and on and on and on. God's good design, part of being made in God's image is that we are to rule over the earth. Not as tyrants or anything crazy like that, but with kindness and mercy and justice, the way we represent God. We're made in His likeness to rule over the animals. So, man is to rule over the animals. That's the order. So why does Satan come as an animal trying to corrupt a human? Because he is reversing God's good design. Because he is reversing God's design. Humans are supposed to control and subdue animals. And here Satan is an animal subduing a human. Tricking a human. He is attacking God's good order. Sin is an assault on the order that God has laid out. And, and what does that mean though? Why? Cool, okay Ryan, whatever, there's an order. It's like this. When we think of sin, we think of doing something bad which is true, but we just kind of leave it there. You said something wrong, you did something wrong, you did something bad, it's over here, you're still here, right? And the way it works is, that's like saying sin is a bad thing. Yes, it is, but that's a child's answer. That's like saying, well, it's just one car accident. It's the car accident and then it's me. I grew up in Atlanta. When someone gets in a car accident on I-75, everyone knows about it. Why? Because they're all what? They're all... Stuck in traffic with everyone else. One car accident throws the whole system out of balance for miles. What Satan is planning and what Adam and Eve are about to do will upset the system on an infinitely larger scale. Sin is taking God's system and flipping it over and saying, no, 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 I'm going to do it my way. Sin is disobeying God it is rebellion against God, but sin is also pushing back on God's good order that he's given us. Number three, sin does not only destroy God's order, but it destroys our design. Sin not only destroys God's order, but it destroys our design. You don't have to turn there, but in Luke 16, Jesus tells a story about two people. In Luke 16, Lazarus, not the Lazarus who came back from the dead, this is a different, this is a parable, Lazarus, who is poor, and a person called the rich man. So you got Lazarus and the rich man. 
Why doesn't the rich man have a name? Jesus names the other character, so why doesn't he name the rich man? Because the rich man is his name. He has become so consumed with his wealth, so consumed by his pride. His sin has changed him so much that he doesn't even have a name anymore. He's not human anymore. I can't tell you how many people, guys and girls, and this isn't me trying to rain on people, this is me just making the point. I can't tell you how many people, guys and girls, because I think this gets looked looked over with the ladies and we do you guys a disservice in that, how many have come to me because they've started looking at things on the internet and they are melting down because they can't stop. And now they look at the opposite gender and they objectify them and they can't stop. They don't treat the opposite gender as humans anymore because they are losing that part of their humanity when they sinfully continue to look at these things on the internet. It's breaking off the image they were made in. And eventually, now here's where it gets even worse, the opposite gender starts to think, this is the only way I'll get noticed now. One gender has become so dehumanized that they don't look for other people, they look for these objects. So I have to become an object to get noticed, to be appreciated. So they post stuff on Instagram that only makes people think of them as objects. They've lost that part of their humanity as well. You see the design is getting upset. So, another example. So many people can become obsessed with their appearance, and not just looks, but reputation, what everyone thinks of them. Don't mess up. Don't put a toe out of line, or people might look at you weird or differently. So, so follow me. So this obsession with what everyone thinks of them turns them into some sort of robot that has to have the approval of others or they can't live or they can't function. And when someone else messes up, does that person feel sympathy for them? No, there is no mercy, there is no help, there is no empathy because the sin of pride is taking away their humanity. Adam and Eve were designed to be rulers over the creation because they were made in God's image. So it's not just that they, it's not two separate things. It's not you're a person and your job is to rule. They ruled because they were made in God's image. They stopped ruling over the animals. They stopped ruling. Their image was being marred. They were becoming less human. Adam and Eve ceased to be rulers. They ceased to be rational. They ceased to be what God made them to be. And when we sin, we begin losing the qualities that God gave us when He made us in His image. C.S. Lewis has this awesome thing. He wrote Narnia. Just throwing that out there, okay? Um, I gained some of you and I lost some of you. And that's okay, right? C.S. Lewis wrote... um, He talks about this idea of when you're angry, and this happens to you, right? Uh, Let's just use anger. It could be anything. But when you're angry, and you just let that anger burn you alive, right? You just give in to it, and you just let it take you over. C.S. Lewis talks about how in that moment, you have become anger. 
You have become consumed with it. Or it could be lust or, your, or anxiety. You become so afraid of what's going to happen that you are, you are stock still. You're not a moving person anymore. You see what I mean? You, or you're, be, you're so angry, you're on fire all the time, inside and out. You're just a flame. You're not a person anymore. You have lost your humanity. It is destroying your humanity. This is what is really happening in the fall. That image that we have been made in has not just been covered up, it's being distorted. It's being changed. If you cover an image, you can just uncover it, right? It's still there. But when we sin, when we give in to that lust, when we give in to that anger and let it, it distorts us, it starts to change us. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, remember this is Eve and Satan. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will surely die. Notice, look at what Satan says. Did God really say that you cannot eat from any tree of the garden first of all god did not say that right genesis 2 16 there's only one tree they can't eat from but did you notice satan only mentions things that god has forbidden he only mentions that he almost completely switches the whole command god says in 2 16 from any tree of the garden you can eat but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it's just one tree so why does Satan say every tree? He knows that's wrong. Why does he say every tree? He wants, now focus here, he wants Eve to only focus on what God has forbidden. He wants Eve to start thinking of God as oppressive, as harsh, as boring. He's trying to turn Eve's mind to see not God as a good ruler who gives, but only as someone who prevents, who stops, who stifles things. And look at Eve's response in verse 2. Eve's response. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, he said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will surely die. Eve's response is wrong for two reasons. Number one, she adds to it. He never said you can't touch it. But she adds this on. God did not say that. He said don't eat from it. So why would she add this extra thing? Because she is starting to see God the way Satan wants her to see God. He's oppressive. He's unnecessary. Look at all these rules. As someone whose rules just get in the way of our happiness. And then she says... Look at three again. But from the fruit of the tree of the garden, that's in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Eve says, the reason I have to obey this rule is because that if I don't, I'll die. Now listen. 
Eve is not obeying the rule. Now this, this is huge. This is huge for well-behaved people and for the good kids who think they're doing okay. This is, this is so, and, and for those who are just so far gone. This is so huge. Notice, Eve is not obeying the rule because she loves God. She's obeying it to save her own skin. Now, God does tell Adam in Genesis 2, if you eat from the tree, you will die. But that is simply a result of the action. It's not a threat. He's just telling them the consequence of what will happen. If you jump out into the road, cars will hit you. It's not a threat. It's telling you what's going to happen. This is, now listen, it's not a threat from God. It's a loving warning. Death is the result from eating the fruit of the tree. But Eve turns that into the whole reason that she's obeying. There's no mention of her love for God. It's just the punishment. If your dad tells you to go outside and mow the yard... You can grunt and complain and kick the house and moan and groan and be angry and rude, but you do it because if you don't do it, you'll get in trouble. That is not the same thing as obeying out of love. You see the difference? Eve should have said, we obey God because He said so and we trust Him. Instead, she says, I have to obey or else I'll get in trouble. You see the difference? That is not the same thing. She is not worshiping God. She is looking out for herself. She is looking out for herself. How do you... Look at me. How do you see God? How do you see God? And then I ask, how many times do you come here? I'm glad you're here. And ask how many Iwana medals... And ask about any of that. And ask how, how, how much is your quiet time? No, no, listen to me. How do you see God? The world sees God as hateful, as oppressive, out of date, an angry God who only wants to make us miserable, but at least I won't go to hell because I obeyed him. That is exactly how Satan wants Eve to see God. It is the same lie. It is the same view. Thousands of years later, this outdated book is exactly how the world sees God today. Is it how you see Him? Is that how I see Him? Eve only obeyed God at this point so that she wouldn't get punished. Only, I, wrote, I bolded this so you know you've got to listen, right? Only obeying God because you don't want to go to hell is not really obeying God. Only obeying God because you don't want to go to hell is not obeying God. That's like me saying, I'll never cheat on Kristen because she would be so mad at me. Mm, you see how insulting that is? It might even, maybe it sounds nice, kind of, but it's not even really nice. And it will not last. If the reason, in, in, at your core, if the reason you obey God is so that you won't get punished, so He doesn't smite me, so He doesn't 
let the air out of my tires or, or flunk me out of this or get me out of my job. Or, or If that's why you're obeying God, listen, it will not last. This is why kids fall away in college and in high school and all these other... It's not, listen to me, it's not the big bad world. It's that they have grown up treating God as their boss instead of as their dad or instead of as their heavenly father. Fear, listen, fear of punishment will either kill your soul or you will rebel. If that's what drives you... Now, there's nothing wrong with being afraid. I, you know, Skip Matherly's an intimidating dude, right? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with like a healthy respect for your parents or for God. There's, of course, that's what we're supposed to do, right? But if that's what drives you to your quiet time, to church, to obey, this fear of punishment, if that's what drives you, it will not last. It'll either kill you from the inside or you will rebel against it because you're sick of it. Look at chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like Him, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it and ate and she also gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Okay, now, the serpent, no more like cool wordplay or whatever. Not that it's cool, but you get it. No more like tricks. He just straight up said something that God did not say. God tells him, if you eat of the tree, you will die. Satan says, you will not surely die. He directly contradicts what God said. Eve does not know this. A talking serpent comes up that she doesn't know and directly defies God. Adam doesn't know it either. And it has just directly said something that God did not say. This is the opportunity for Adam and Eve to step in and show their loyalty to God. That's not true. But Eve is, not, remember, Eve is only obeying God at this point because she's afraid of being punished. And what did Satan just say? You will not surely die. He's taken away the punishment. One of the deepest ways to understand your motivation is will you still do it if you know there's no consequences for it? That's how you can really gauge where your heart is. Eve doesn't want to get punished. She's already teetering into trouble and Satan knows that. So he latches onto it. He knows she's waiting for the punishment so he takes it away. And she collapses. That's the point here. Genesis is where we come from, and where we come from impacts how we live. Why do you obey God? Why do you obey God? This is the most important question in your life. It's more important than who you'll marry. It's more important than what job you'll have. Why do you obey God? Is it because you're afraid that God, your boss, will punish you if you step out of line? If you build your life on obeying your boss, it will never last. 
If he's your boss, it will never last. One of two things will happen to you. Number one, it will destroy you because you will grow up in fear. It'll break you. Maybe you guys know, know friends with parents who are like this. The stern, intense, unchanging. And their kids are wrecks. And you'll get so tired of this tyrant that you will push back against that. So you will either die on the inside and you'll rebel, or, now here's the other one and it's just as bad. You'll work so hard to obey that you become cold and hard and prideful. If other people would just obey like you would, like you did, their lives would be much better. And when things, and here's the thing, if you base your relationship with God as boss worker, if the worker works hard and does well, he should get paid. So what happens to your relationship with God when you work so hard to do right by your boss and then things don't go your way? Job, Jesus, Paul. You'll leave. How can you do this, God? Look at everything I've done. How can you treat me like that? And you bail. You see God as boss just like the heathen who misbehaves and rebels. It's the same sin. It's the prodigal son and the older brother. It's the same sin. If you see God as a boss, it will never last. Or do you obey God because your father loves you and you love him? Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, and then we'll look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. So they've sinned. Adam and Eve have sinned. They've given in. They've eaten the fruit. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord God comes down. Of course he knows. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Look at verse 11. And then God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? which I commanded you not to eat. God could have come down in fire and thunder and destroyed Adam and Eve for what they did, but instead he's coming asking questions, ready to forgive, ready to help. I have a friend... Um, I called him and asked him if I could share this, and he was cool with it because Matt's a good guy. Uh, I have a friend who his parents became pregnant with him before they got married, right? And so they had to go and tell each side of the family. And they go to the mom's side of the family first, and the mom's side of the family is just brutal. Berating them, rude, angered. And there's nothing wrong with being angry, but it just drove them. And they just buried him. The dad, her dad, wouldn't even walk her down the aisle at the wedding. He was so ashamed. Then they go and tell the dad's family, who were believers, and they were upset, because that's okay. They were upset. And then they started asking questions. How can we help? Are you on the right prenatal medica medication? What doctor are you going to? Do you need help paying for this? And over time... Matt's mom, who was not a believer, became one. And the relationship between Matt's mom 
And the dad's parents continue to grow closer and closer and closer. And the relationship between her and her parents dwindled away into nothing. For so many of us, I think that that's what we think of God. How dare you disappoint me again? That is not the God of the Bible. And I don't want to paint the wrong picture. God takes sin very seriously. Adam and Eve were banned from the Garden of Eden, right? Sin has consequences. But listen to this. God didn't leave them out there. You want to see how seriously God takes sin? Look at what happened to Jesus on the cross. You want to see how angry God was at Adam and Eve? Look at Jesus on the cross. And if you want to see how deeply God forgave them, how deeply God forgives you, you want to know how far God would go to get you back to Him, how totally clean you can be in His sight. Look at Jesus on the cross. Where Adam's sin, your sin, my sin, the worst thing you could think of, the worst thing that you did was pinned to Jesus, and he has taken it. You know, it's interesting. Jerusalem was supposed to be the Garden of Eden Part 2, this new place where God dwelled with his people. That's why the temple is there. In the Garden of Eden, God dwells with his people. In the ark, God dwells with Noah and his family. In the tabernacle, God dwells, it's the Garden of Eden over and over and over again. In the temple in Jerusalem, God dwells with his people, the Garden of Eden. And where is Jesus hung on the cross? Outside Jerusalem. The new Adam is thrown outside of the new garden so we can be let back in. How will you build your life? On the approval of a boss? Or on the love of God? Let's pray.